You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, let's get right to it. Uh, I think in my entire series of players that they might draft, I don't think I got one right. Uh, several were drafted today, none to the Indians. And the one guy I thought for sure they were going to take, uh, Trenton Denholm, um, we'll see. Maybe they'll go after him in free agency. I'm curious to see what happens. I thought he was a perfect Indians pick. And he does fit when you look at They drafted three pitchers, and they're very similar pitchers. Uh, took another middle infielder. Took a you know, up-the-middle talent. They had six picks. We had three pitchers, three hitters, uh, two shortstops and a center fielder, and then the three arms. It's, it's so odd to think that, like, six picks in the baseball draft. There's a year where the Browns have more draft picks than the Indians, but that is the case for a very odd draft. Um, I kind of miss the old days of the rapid fire, uh, where like day two goes pretty quickly. It's like two minutes between picks of that. Uh, this was a bit slower as we started at like four my time and went to about 10. So it's so what, five to 11 typical time uh, for you on the East Coast. It's just sad. I couldn't get fully into it. I, I, in many regards, I was just looking forward to the whole thing being over right as it started. Um, you know, part of that is probably the loss of the 24-7 and their baseball and that kind of putting some twist on that. Part of it was just not feeling as prepared as there was no college baseball season for the most part. And uh, part of it was all the negativity around the game right now. It's, it's hard to get excited about baseball when all we see is the negative slant. But let's take a moment, let's step back from all the reasons to not have enjoyed this and look at a draft that, um, it's hard to say that it's my favorite draft in recent years, but it is. And yes, it had less picks, but I thought the six picks was what was really interesting is the Indians got very talented players and they recognize what they do well. They recognize what they develop well and they drafted for that. It's uh, an approach that was just a team understanding and knowing itself well. Uh, we already talked about the first two picks on the bonus show yesterday. We're going to talk about the next four on uh, the show today. And it was really these next four picks that helped solidify uh, this draft and its value to me. So let's start off with Logan Allen in round two. Uh, yes, I had been joking about the Indians getting Logan Allen for a while, but he did always fit their profile. Uh, I had him ranked higher than Tanner Burns, so he's actually the highest rated player the Indians drafted. Why did I like him more than Tanner Burns, even though Burns has better velocity and maybe... Uh, more, you know, he's more, has mid-rotation potential, whereas oh, Allen is just a 4-5 type. Uh, but I like Allen because he's incredibly safe. You're talking about a guy who's a very good two-way player at uh, at FIU. And his numbers were better than Burns, but Burns did in the SEC. There's a big difference between Conference USA and the SEC, obviously. But uh, Allen was this great athlete. Uh, one of my favorite stats about him is he had as many home runs in college as Garrett Mitchell. Uh, and Garrett Mitchell went 20th overall to the Brewers. Great in the Cape. He was great for three years. He's a guy we've known about. You know, he was a famous and high school guy. Uh, I think I've heard Tyler McDaniel use that, and I like that line. It's basically the guys who could have gotten, you know, seven figures out of high school, but instead decided to go to school to try to increase value. Um... I don't know what Logan Allen's going to get. I think he'll probably be overslot to a degree. I just want to pull up some of the other numbers with him. Now, the, the thing is, he's barely six feet. He's 180 pounds. He doesn't throw hard, but the secondary pitches, both of his secondary offerings have the potential to be at least above average. 
uh, if not plus, and that's what you're really looking at with him. It's the fastball is good enough. The athleticism is there. That with the changeup and the, uh, the curveball, he's going to be able to go out there and be a back end starter. I have complete faith in his ability to do that. The athleticism, the secondary offerings. Uh, like I said, maybe not the most exciting arm, but again, this is the guy. When you look at Tanner Burns, you look at Logan Allen, and let's go ahead and talk about Mason Hickman now. We're just going to talk about pitchers for the first half of the show. Uh, these are all guys who have a three-pitch mix, advanced secondary offerings, uh, and had excellent strikeout numbers and excellent control numbers in college. Two of them in the SEC, and then Logan Allen doing it in Conference USA. Uh, just to jump over to Hickman, well, you know, Logan Allen is six feet, and Tanner Burns is six feet, maybe six feet, six foot one. Hickman's 6'6". Six, six. He's uh, the biggest guy they drafted by far because this entire draft class was pretty small. I don't think they had another player who was taller than maybe six foot one. So why is Hickman, who's basically been Vandy's ace the last two years, available? It's because his fastball is the worst of this group. Like between Allen, Hickman, and Burns, it's it's the worst fastball in terms of velocity. Where it excels is the fact that it moves a lot. Uh, it's one of those you look at things like vertical drop and things like that. And that's where Hickman's fastball... Um, grades out. That's why he can throw uh, an upper 80s, low 90s pitch. People talk about deception. Deception is often the way the pitch moves, or it's a funky delivery that allows for a late release point. That's what it really comes down to. So deception was often something we talked about in terms of when we couldn't figure out why a pitch uh, was as effective as it was. And now we know it's things like vertical drop rate, uh, spin rate, things like that. And that's what Hickman has. He has that vertical drop rate on that fastball. He has the secondary offerings. And he was... Uh, every bit as good as uh, Tanner Burns was in the SEC. So you're getting two of the guys who last year were the two of the top arms in the entire SEC facing, you know, the best of the best of college baseball and dominating. And the Indians get both guys. I could see Hickman being an underslot guy in the fifth round. Uh, he was not top 200 anywhere, and it always comes down to that. It's the same thing that comes down to with Logan Allen and why he was not higher. Uh, the velocity wasn't there. Now, Burns' fastball, you know, gets up to the to 96-97. He has a bit more of that. But Allen and Hickman, their biggest knock comes down to fastball velocity. Yes, Allen had a height issue as well. But over the years, we've kind of learned that velocity is far from the end-all, be-all. Uh, that teams can sometimes get more velocity. And that's the other thing. Like When you talk about Vanderbilt, uh, there was a time where Vandy was just this can't-miss pitching factory. And we talked, to, you know, there was all David Price and all these arms who came out of there. Past few years, it is not. Past few years... Mason Hickman was expected to add velocity, never did. Chandler Day was one of the top arms in the state of Ohio. Uh, he never developed properly there. Um, there's been a long uh, long group of gentlemen who have gone there, and it just has not worked out. The development, for whatever reason, is not working quite as well. I'd be curious to go look and see if there was a change in the coaching staff, a change in someone. Uh, we know that there was a change in recruiting coordination uh, with that person now being in charge of the Marlin Scouting Department. But in general, uh, they are just not the same place they used to be, and a lot of pitchers are just not developing there. You know, five years ago, if you had asked me, like, where should I go, I would say Vandy, like, without a shadow of a doubt. And I know there's going to be people out there going, Kumar Rocker. And I'm like, yes, but Kumar Rocker was a first-round talent who they got. Um, but, you know, Jake Etter was another guy who was drafted today who was supposed to make uh, gains, and it didn't happen. You look at uh, Florida. There, it was Florida and Vandy when I started writing where the places that you'd want to go as a pitcher. And Tommy Mace didn't even get drafted today, I don't believe. And Jake Etter 
Jack uh, Leftwich, I believe, was the other Florida guy. It's just not the same. Now it's Louisville. Louisville's a program far and away. If you have a chance to go there, go there. But uh, the Indians probably think they can unlock maybe a little bit more in Hickman. I mean, he's a big kid. They can work on the mechanics, see if there's something there. Uh, They might feel like they got a real steal. Because if you do unlock any velocity with everything else he has, then there's no doubt that he becomes the steal of the draft at this point in time for the Indians. Rock Auto is something else that is great. RockAuto.com in particular. Remember when you go there and you make an order, you want to put in the little, how did you find out about us, locked on to let them know that uh, what we do here helps uh, bring people to their site. It's a very easy to navigate site. I am not a car person and I'm able to go through and navigate through that site easily to find the parts and pieces that I need. And I think it's just a fantastic site for whenever you do need to have a car repair, get a new piece, you can just use it to comparison shop and you're going to find out nine times out of ten that rockauto.com is going to have a better price on the piece you need so just keep it in the back of your mind make sure to visit and if you do order a piece in that little how'd you find out about us place put a lockedon.com built bar uh i I had someone tell me that they did put a built bar order in on uh twitter uh in between the draft i saw that i was like you're gonna have to tell me which flavor you like he uh he put in for the the toffee almond was one of his, which, as everyone knows, is one of my favorites. Uh, I'm still quite enjoying Built Bar, but I'm also very much looking forward to the promise of new flavors and that they are kind of getting ready to revamp everything. So remember, when you go to BuiltBar.com, you can try a sample box. You can look at all the different flavors. You can see what fits with them, and these are all natural flavors, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, gluten-free, which, again, I've talked about for me is just fantastic. So you go there, use the promo code Locked On, and you're going to get 10% off your order builtbar.com promo code locked on you'll thank me later so i think the consensus is the indians drafted three arms who are kind of back-end guys uh we'll see if they can unlock more when you get down to it you know aaron Zaval, uh shane bieber these were back-end guys that they were able to work with i mean zach plesak wasn't even a back-end guy when they took him but for this draft they drafted three high ceiling back-end arms and they are the mold of what the indians target they are exactly the type of player that the indians target and they have the production, the Indians target. So interesting arms, certainly something to check out. I think it's kind of crazy when you think about this draft. Like in most places, Tanner Burns will slot into the Indians top 10. But I was tweeting about this earlier. It's like when you're looking at Logan Allen, you're looking at Carson Tucker. And in most places, Logan Allen was rated higher than Carson Tucker. But uh, like who else would make it into the Indians top 10? Are you going to drop out Ethan Hankins? Are you going to drop out Tristan McKenzie? It's That's where the depth is and what makes the system really interesting right now is they just keep adding to that pool But to mention Carson Tucker, he becomes extra important because, again, Logan Allen is probably over slot in the second round because he was rated comparably to Tanner Burns, and the Indians got him, you know, close to 30 picks after they got Burns. And they used the rest of that money they saved uh, with Carson Tucker and helped roll that into their third-round pick in particular and maybe their fourth-round pick as well. Let's save the third-round pick because that is my favorite selection this entire draft. Even though Logan Allen is my highest-rated player, uh, I think there's a lot of ceiling, and I kind of love getting their third rounder where they did. But their fourth rounder is also really interesting. And his name is Milan Tolatino. His dad is a broadcaster for the Angels. He played in the big leagues for one season. He was a, a great player at Texas, got drafted, uh, eventually made it to the big leagues, was a hitting coach for Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. I saw his uh, brother, who I want to make sure I get his name correctly, uh, Patrick. Uh, I think it's just Patrick, but without a K at the end, was he went to Nebraska and eventually found his way into the Indians minor league system as a catcher, uh, played across 
multiple levels uh, in 2011 and 2012. So this is the second Tolentino to make their way to the Indians. And while his brother had a short run as more of a backup player, uh, Milan is much has much higher profile and ceiling. Uh, it was interesting. Some people did not love his defense at short. Others think that he's a no-doubt shortstop. Some thought he might have to move to second. I am betting the Indians think he's going to stick at short. Why? Because that has been their profile, is taking a shortstop who will definitely stay there. I contacted Taylor Blake Ward, who's, you know, an Angels, uh, covers the Angels, and he said, no doubt shortstop. I'm going to trust him because he knows the family, he knows the kid. And he was, you know, the your basic kid who grew up in the game, high intelligence, uh, advanced uh, approach at the plate, uh, I know in the MLB broadcast, they had a whole thing about him telling his dad he needed to uh, be drafted out of high school because that's your best chance to get 3,000 hits. So he is um, he has his eye on a prize for sure already. But that's what he can do. He can hit. He uses the whole field. It's not one that is necessarily set up for power, but I thought it was interesting that when you look into the data, it's like his exit velocities through the Perfect Game website are in the top 13% for all the high school players that uh, that they have. That's That's a really good number for a guy who's game is not known for power uh could eventually grow into some we'll have to see but that's the thing is if he does fill out a bit more he might have to move off of short quick arm good feet very smart uh some tyler freeman to him that might be the best comp at this point in time uh what's it say here on mlb i just like to pull it up because they have all the information seal turned 19 in november so not really young for the class that's something he differs in they have a johnny damon like swing in here uh, was recruited to UCLA, will not be getting there. Uh, another left-handed bat. Uh, were all of their hitters? Oh, no, Tucker was right-handed. So they, they got a left-handed shortstop and a right-handed shortstop when it comes to hit tool. But uh, another interesting talent, a guy who MLB had at 101. So a, a good value at pick 124. That is Milan to Latino. And then Petey Halpin. Now, Petey Halpin is someone that... I did not mention on the names to know because I just thought he'd go in the second round and the Indians wouldn't have a chance at him. In August, Taylor Blake Ward and I were discussing how Petey Halpin is the perfect Indian, and lo and behold, uh, they get him. I just, for some reason, never bothered to bring it up on the podcast. And why is he the perfect Indian? Well, the Indians love California and Georgia kids in particular. California kid, undersized, six feet even, 180 pounds, advanced approach at the plate, does a little bit of everything. Uh, young for his class, just turned 18 at the end of May, and I was trying to think, uh, I mean, that's the big thing. It's, you know, the advanced approach, the youth, and being from California. He went at pick 95. He was just outside of my top 50. Uh, I had a big debate whether or not I was going to put him in at the end. It, it came down to him and Nick Garcia, honestly, for the final slot in there. Uh, I put, even though Garcia is 50th and Freddie Zamora was 51, I knew Zamora was always going to be 51 just because I had my concerns um, with exactly what was going on. The Brewers apparently agreed with my ranking because they grabbed him in round two. But Halpin, you can look at him and legitimately say he's not that far off from Pete Crow Armstrong who went in the, uh, you know, the top 20 picks of the draft, went to the Mets at 18 and is going to cost more than Halpin. Uh, Armstrong has a, a larger track record, but I also think Halpin will end up with more power than Armstrong. Uh, Armstrong has a, a much greater defensive ceiling, I think, in fairness. But Halpin isn't that far off compared to where they were drafted. You know, there's not a 
80 pick difference in their talent levels. Let's put it that way. He is going to cost more in slot. I think this is where a lot of the money is going to go, but I, I adore this pick. I think at when you're getting him at 95, and he is a second-round talent to me. Like I said, he would have been in my top 60 if I had gone that deep. He probably would have been 52 on my big board. And you're looking at a five-tool talent. Uh, maybe he doesn't get plus and everything, but he's going to do a bit of everything. And when you look at Tucker, Tolatino, and Halpin, these are all guys with advanced approaches at the plate. They're all guys that are about the same height, about the same. They're all listed at 180 pounds. Uh, Tar- Tucker 6'2", Halpin 6 feet, Tolatino 6'1". And they have that, I guess I said, the advanced approach. They all play, you know, prime defensive positions and they all play them well. They have defensive skills, even if they're not necessarily going to stick at that position. They're very similar types. The Indians said, this is a draft. We know what we do well. We're going to get three hitters that are similar. We're going to get three pitchers that are similar. And they just let the value fall to them. And last night, you know, I had that little addendum to the podcast, if you listened, where I was like, I know this is coming off negative, but know that we can't fully judge this because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and the Indians save money. Well, this is what happened. In the second round, they got the highest rated player on my big board uh, in their entire draft class. They followed it up with my favorite pick in the third round, came back in the fourth round and got a top 100 talent and then ended it with one of the top performing pitchers in the SEC over the last two years, who's also six foot six, unlike their, you know, their two other pitchers who are both six feet tall in this draft. So it was a strong class, and that's the danger of looking at one day. I talked about how taking Carson Tucker was the equivalent of the baseball draft in trading down. So they draft Tucker knowing he's going to be under slot and that they're going to save money. Now they like the talent, and they know that Carson Tucker isn't going to get them at 36. But they do that where they save that money, and then they're able to use that money to come back and get value in every single round. You could look at a team like the Mets who went big on their first three picks, and then their next three are nothing. They had to kind of punt the ball uh, and just take a bunch of senior signs. I mean, senior signs can work out. Joy Wendell has turned into a good player. I don't want to say nothing. All of these kids have earned their right. Uh, I hate to be that dismissive. But the Indians went big with all of their picks. These are all interesting players. When you can say the worst rated player in your group and the maybe least interesting player was one of the top pitchers in the top conference in college baseball and is a six foot six right hander who has yet to unlock the velocity that is in his frame, that's a good class. And yes, see my cat agrees with me. Yep, she likes this draft class as well. It's hard to say like it's my favorite because it is such a small draft class because the draft is so weird this year. But when you're just looking at the overall, this is a draft class. How did they do in all of their picks in this draft class? They did great. I love what they did. I love the talent they've added. And, you know, I go through all of this. Again, I'm not sure if maybe more than one or two of these guys has even a chance of being in their top 10 prospects, but they're all going to be in the top 20. I feel like at least four, if not five of these guys are right now signing in the top 20, and that's what they're going to keep doing. Keep building up that talent. Keep getting better. And you can never have too many shortstops. Remember, almost everyone starts off a shortstop and moves off the position. So none of these shortstops have anything to do with Francisco Lindor. The Indians drafted three a year ago. They drafted two interesting ones today. And they have a ton already in their system. Shortstops are incredibly valuable in trades. Uh, you can always have a shortstop move to another position. Jose Ramirez was a shortstop before uh, he shifted to third base. It is a position, a good position to be in for a team. And the Indians... At the end of the day, the draft is done, and they added six really interesting guys, six great values when you get down to the entire class and all the pieces. 
just let's talk about the MLB ranks. Tucker was 52, Burns 28, 46 for Allen, 76 for Halpin, 101 for Tolentino. So they stretched that money out. Hopefully this will work better than the last time they did this. So the last time we saw them go under slot with their top pick and then spend all of that money was 2012 with Tyler Naquin. They went well under slot. It was the first year of the slotting system, so it was a big thing. Mitch Brown, everybody loved. He's still, I believe, in system at this point. I could be wrong. Just hasn't worked out there. Kieran Lovegrove, another pick that everyone really liked. He is no longer at the Indians. Devon McClure was this big upside athlete. Uh, could have played some football at Arkansas. Never really rose to the system. Dylan Baker at least made it on the 40-man as an interesting prospect. Uh, Joey Wendell, who was your senior sign in the sixth round, far and away the best player from day two. Josh McAdams did not last super long in the minors. Neither did Caleb Hambrick, Jacob Lee. Josh Martin out of uh, Stanford was lost in the Rule 5 and came back, so that pick actually worked in the 10th round, but he was again a senior sign. So they did better with the senior signs than the big money guys in that draft. Uh, I was always a big Scott Peoples guy. Nelson Rodriguez was a kind of famous for a bit player, also from that class on day three. Uh, Andrew Calica, who retired last year, was one who got away that they would redraft later. Uh, Justin Garza was another one who they would would get away and they would later on go on to redraft. Uh, other than that, yeah, not a whole lot of names stand out or people who kind of went on to much of anything else. Uh, not the strongest draft class. Hopefully this will work out better than that class, but I thought I would bring that up as a way just to end this podcast on a downbeat. But no, honestly, this is a good class. This is a class to be excited about. The Indians drafted guys that are players they know how to maximize. These are talents that they are familiar with and they fit their system and they are going to get the best out of these players and that is why this is a class that you have to love as an Indians fan. So let's end on that positive note. I hope you've enjoyed the draft coverage for this year. Let me know how you are feeling, uh, what you think about the class. You can always hit me up on Facebook or on Twitter. Pete, I saw your message. I'm going to get back to you. I swear. Just draft time is a crazy time uh, even when it is only five rounds. Again, thank you all for listening, rating, and reviewing. I hope you enjoyed our draft content for the year for these Cleveland Indians. Uh, We'll come back on Monday, and we're going to look at the 2019 picks that did not sign. We're going to finish our review that way. So that'll be a a last little bit of draft coverage. And then eventually when these players sign, I'll do my shadow draft. Um, We'll see. I almost think that this is a, a perfect draft in some regards. Uh, there might be players that I decide I would finagle with depending on money, but that's one of those things for down the road. Uh, but those will be kind of our last two pieces of draft info. Now I will really do the end of this podcast. You are all fantastic. You make this podcast happen. So I thank you all and appreciate each and every one of you for your listens, your downloads, your rating and reviewing. It ca- helps our little podcast grow. I've been Jeff Ellis. You are awesome. And as always, go tribe. <laughs>